service. If you could uh, go ahead and take that out with me for a moment. On the right side attached to the uh, right side there is a welcome slip, and you can go ahead and tear that off. Uh, be sure and put your first and last name on there, the names of any adults that are with you. We can pray for you or family member or friend. You can share that down at the bottom as well. If you have any questions, um, you can write those out, and uh, Pastor Dan or I will get back to you as well. But we'll be collecting these a little bit later towards the end of the service. Also on the inside of your program is a blue insert with some information about our upcoming mobile food truck. We have had uh, just a great opportunity to uh, serve people in our community uh, in need in this way. And uh, this mobile food truck has been such a blessing for us. And then we've also had some other uh, people in our community that have heard about what has been going on with that food truck and want to partner with us. In fact, on May 3rd, um, we'll have our next food truck here. We're going to have somebody uh, from Sintegra Health Center who's going to be doing some blood screening. Um, we've got a chiropractor from Cairo One that's going to be here doing uh, uh, chiropractic adjustments and talking to people about health in that way. We've got two companies that are working with staffing. We've got uh, Seville and Aerotech Staffing are going to be looking at uh, job opportunities for people that are looking for jobs. And so if you know anybody that's looking for a job, you want to invite them to come out uh, to the food truck on May 3rd. We've got a meal planning expert. We'll be doing resume writing. Uh, we'll be doing emotional health and and fitness, and so we've just got a great opportunity to connect with people on that morning as well. But we need your help with this. We have capacity um, to serve about 250 families. We have about 100, 150 showed up for each food truck. But if you could, we have posters and some inserts um, out in the lobby at the table. If you could take one of those with you this morning, uh, maybe put one of those up in your workplace, maybe put it up on a public bulletin board where you think somebody might be of interest to this. But if you could just be passing those out, to help us get the word out on this. This would be a great opportunity for us to, uh, to serve people in our community in this way. So if you want to know more about uh, the food truck, you can drop Shannon Marcoux uh, a note or just uh, contact the church office. Also on the inside of your program, we've got a brown insert with some information about our upcoming child dedication service. It's going to be on Mother's Day, May the 11th. And we have a lot of people ask about child dedication services. We typically um, do those during Mother's Day, and then if we have enough people interested, we might do one um, during the year as well. But if you are... Uh, interested in our child dedication service, um, you'll want to sign up for the next class. It's actually going to be on April 27th. We had one this morning, um, but if you want to sign up for one of those classes on April 27th or May 4th um, so that you can participate in that. And we also are hosting a baptism service on May 18th. And right now we have six people that are signed up uh, for the baptism service. And so if you have not had an opportunity to identify with Christ in that way, or maybe you haven't had an opportunity to identify with Christ publicly, I want to encourage you to sign up uh, to participate in our baptism service. Get into one of those next classes. If you've got any questions about that, um, you can contact me. I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. That's such an exciting opportunity to be able to identify with Christ in that way. And on the back of that insert is some information about our upcoming men's breakfast. Um, we had a great pink uh, event here last weekend, and Pastor Dan's going to be talking more about that in a little bit. But guys, uh, we want to encourage you to come out and join us for our next men's breakfast. We're coming off of our No Regrets Conference. We're going into the second series on living a life with no regrets. And if you haven't had an opportunity to come out to a men's breakfast or maybe you haven't been there in a while, um, I want to encourage you to sign up for that today. We're going to have great food. We're going to be looking at what it means to live a life uh, with no regrets as a man today. And so I want to encourage you to sign up for that as well. We're glad you're with us as we continue our series on Disciple Driven. Today we're going to be looking at living a life of generosity. Thank you, Pastor Rich. There was a couple in Northern California on February 25th taking a walk on their acreage, that forest on their acreage, and they have taken this hike over and over and over again many times. But this time they looked down and they saw 
something sticking out of the ground. And so they got down there and poked around. And this is what they found. They found a canister of gold coins. And they kept digging. And they found six canisters of gold coins, uncirculated, mint, and they were dated from 1847 to 1894. And their find is worth $10 million. Now, I know you guys are going to go looking in your backyard for some buried treasure. <laughs> You're probably not going to find it, right? Wow, isn't that incredible to find that kind of treasure? Well, people are looking for treasure these days. That's why so many people play the lottery. Uh, friends, we already have the treasure. The question is, where is your treasure? Where is my treasure? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're in the midst of our Disciple Driven series. And uh, we have three different initiatives going on here. We've got a prayer initiative. It all starts with prayer. And then we have a full engagement initiative. If we're going to build stronger disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to be fully engaged with our time and our energy. And then a generosity initiative, which we're going to be exploring today. Some disciple-driven dates coming up. we got our disciple-driven brochure that you guys received one this past week. Anybody? Anybody? You should have. Check your mail. <laughs> if you didn't, uh, you can pick one up. Uh, in the back there, and uh, I tell you what, uh, Sarah Mason uh, designed this uh, brochure and did an awesome job, and Justin helped me so much in putting this together. Uh, but friends, this is not a brochure you just read once. This is a prayer guide. You put it in your Bible, and you bring it out, and you can step through a section each day and be praying over the next couple of years for our disciple-driven desire to make disciples and to touch uh, many different people uh, through this. Uh, morning of Prayer is coming up on April 26th. I'd ask you to pull out this yellow insert. All right, everybody do that for me. Pull out the yellow insert and uh, take a close look here. Uh, we're going to be having a morning of prayer on April 26th from 7 to 11. 7, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, you can sign up for any of those hours. And our prayer goal is that we would have 100 people plus show up to pray. We already have 27 who signed up, and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, today we also have a prayer challenge during April uh, where uh, you can get an email to pray for our disciple-driven initiative and for our ministry. So if you're interested in that, just put a daily prayer on the side of that particular insert by the Times and uh, write, of course, your name and email. And as Rich mentioned, we have our information gatherings coming up. So under the email, if you haven't had a chance to respond uh, to the one of the callers, uh, just write down what day you can come and if you need child care. Now, I'd like anybody who helped call this past week to invite people out uh, to our information gathering to stand up. Let's thank these people. Stand up, guys. Any you callers? All right, let's thank them. Thank you so much for your energies in encouraging us to come out to these information gatherings. And I tell you what, when I look back on past initiatives, uh, this is my favorite part. Monday through Friday, identical meetings, getting together with you guys, talking about the vision. We have a lot of people talking about the vision. 
and uh, being with you is just, uh, I just have a lot of wonderful memories. I'm looking forward to a great week, and I really hope that you make it a priority and be fully engaged in what we're looking forward to do uh, together. Then next week, uh, we're going to have our Northern India focus. We're going to have a representative from the Timothy Initiative talking about how we're going to train 100 church planters in Northern India. Uh, then, of course, Easter Sunday, we'll begin in a new series. Uh, then our morning of prayer. And then on Commitment Sunday, uh, we're asking you to prayerfully uh, consider and start, start doing that right now and pray as a family. And, and what would God have you give above uh, your regular giving in order uh, to touch the lives uh, through this initiative? So let's step into where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Why don't you stand with me? And let's read the Word of God aloud uh, together. We're going to go all the way from verses 19 to 24 of Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us during this time as we study this passage about where our hearts are at, where our treasure is at. I pray we would drop any barriers that would keep us from listening to your Holy Spirit. And I ask that we would grow in generosity. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. All right, well, let's take a look at Matthew 6, 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, what's a treasure? I looked at Mr. Webster, and he says, Treasure is wealth that is stored up or hoarded, or is it a store of money in reserve? Uh, It also is something of great value or worth. Now, as I thought through this in relationship to this particular passage, I believe what Jesus is saying is your treasure are the things you value and therefore invest resources in. Those are the treasures in your life. You value these things and you invest resources in time and energy, but Jesus is pretty specific here about investing money in the things that you treasure. So let's look at some things that uh, you might treasure. Of course, your spouse, children, extended family, friends, experiences, recreation, hobbies, food, eating out, entertainment, vacations, possessions, financial security, homes, furniture, cars, motorcycles, clothes, smartphones, and the list goes on and on and on of the things that we treasure, that we value and invest in. Now, there's nothing wrong with treasuring those things. There's nothing wrong in investing in those things as long as you don't cross the line. What's the line? We see that in Exodus 20, verse 1 through 3, the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
you shall have no other gods before me. Now we need to remember that the people of Israel, while they were enslaved, uh, they worshipped as the Egyptians worshipped. It was a polytheistic culture, so they had all these idols lined up, these little wooden idols made of different types of things, different shapes, and they would worship these idols. So God had to school them in what a relationship meant with just one God, the only true God. And so he said, now guys, you shall have no other gods before me. I am the only God, the God that you need to worship. And we, of course, don't have little idols in our house. But friends, we can slow, uh, we can so easily slip into idolatry. That's what this is talking about here. Idolatry. Where we value and invest in things, we treasure things more than we do God. Do God. Let's look at our list again here. Uh, again, spouse, children, extended family, and friends. These are all things that can turn into idols. Uh, an idol is something that just consumes you. It, it's something that you treasure. It's something that you think about. It's something that you invest money in. It's something that you anticipate. Uh, it's, it's the main deal in your life. And any of these things can become that. We look at the next area, experiences. These can become idols, recreation, hobbies, food, eating out, entertainment, vacations, popularity. Or they can become uh, through possessions. And we see here financial security, homes, furniture, cars, motorcycles, clothes, smartphones, and the list goes on. It's interesting with smartphones, the Americans have become obsessed with smartphones. I was reading a study, and they said that 58% of Americans check their smartphone at least once an hour. 40% of Americans use their smartphone on the toilet. Uh, 9% of Americans use their smartphones in worship services. Everybody look around. Everybody look around. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. Okay, as long as you're reading your Bible. Fifty-eight <laughs> percent of Americans, uh, they, they check their smartphone when they wake up, when they go to bed, and sometimes even in the middle of the night. Now, when has this become an idol? Well, I think Verizon is trying to lead us into idol worship. <laughs> They've got the Verizon Edge program where you can actually, in a sense, really it's leasing a cell phone. I mean, for like $20 a month. I mean, they hide it. I try to really nail them on it. I say, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> but the whole idea is, why, why, why do you have to wait two years to upgrade? I mean, two years is forever. Do you realize the technology that's being developed? Do you realize the designs, the styles? You've got to have a new smartphone every year, every year. And Verizon will allow you to do that for $20 a month, $240 a year. They'll give you a new smartphone every stinking year. Now, that's pretty close to idolatry. If you're on the edge plan, I'm not saying you're idolatrous, but it, you could fall into it. <laughs> okay? That's how we become consumed with things. That's when we get away uh, from uh, the Lord. Well, if we look at uh, Matthew 6.24, just one more comment on this. I don't necessarily think that, you know, we just have one particular idol like a smartphone. But typically, I mean, personally, I have several idols, okay? When I fall into sin, uh, when I choose to go my own way, I've got idols that I worship and give my time and my energy to and not giving that over to God. Uh, so I think generally you have to kind of look at the whole package. 
when you look at the way your life is going, when you look at your focus, are you more focused on the things of the world? Are you more valuing the things of the world? Are you spending more money on the things of the world than you are Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God? How much are you valuing your relationship with Him, spending time with Him, and in the context of this passage, investing in eternity, giving of your resources, recognizing that God owns it all, and you're giving back with a generous heart because God has just done such unbelievable things for us through Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is Jesus Christ talking here. All right? People say, do you feel uncomfortable talking about money? I'm thinking, well, Jesus Christ talked a little bit about money. (laughs) Really, when you think about biblical themes, the, the number one, of course, is Jesus Christ, His salvific work that runs Genesis through Revelation. But the second greatest theme is stewardship, is managing the resources that God has given us, managing this earth, all those different types of things. Uh, that's the second theme. And you think about Jesus and what he taught on. He taught on heaven and hell and prayer. But I tell you, he talked a lot about possessions and, and uh, the things that we spend money on. Uh, you look at prayer, I think there's 500 verses on prayer and 2,000 verses in the Gospels on this whole area of stewardship. Half of the parables deal with money. So you ask me if I feel uncomfortable about talking about money. I say, no, I don't, because Jesus talked about it so much. Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Because he knew that when we give to him, when we make him number one in how we manage the resources he's entrusted to us, that we're giving our heart to him. Now, I know some of you think that I sit in my study and think about, how can I make him nervous this week? How can I get him to squirm? How can I get him to sweat? How can I get those butterflies going? I don't do that. I'm, I'm a nice person. Okay? I, don't, I don't like to make people feel uncomfortable. But at the same time, I'm called, called to be a shepherd. I'm called to be a teacher. So I've, I've got to preach the Word. So if people feel uncomfortable, if the, st- uh, the sweat starts to flow, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I've just got to present the Word as it is. And I unapologetically talk about money. And talk about its role in our lives because Jesus did. I tell you, there are people that did not show up today because they knew I was talking about this. And they didn't want to feel uncomfortable. So I want to thank you for being here to hear this message. This is the Word of God. And God wants to speak to you. And I just want to encourage you to go home and meditate and pray about these different passages and, and let God speak to you about what He would want you uh, to do. In fact, I'm excited about talking about giving because I know that when you start to give, when you really get serious about making Jesus number one in your life by giving, that God is going to bless you. As I reflect upon ministry over the many years, uh, some of the most exciting times in people's lives is when I'm teaching on a giving, uh, or I'm going through a giving me- uh, series, or I'm going through an initiative series like this, and, and they finally get it. They say, okay, 
It's time for me to let go. It's time for me to trust God. It's time for me to give as God is leading me to give and put all my confidence in Him instead of myself. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to give so much that I don't know where the money is going to come from. To put my faith out there on the line. I tell you, that's when the Christian life becomes exciting. You wonder why your Christian life's not exciting? Because you're not stepping out in faith. When you start stepping out in faith and asking Jesus Christ to show up, He's going to show up. But if you don't, you're going to wonder, hey, what's the deal here? Well, the deal is you've got to make God number one in your life. And it starts with giving to Him. And Jesus Christ said it, all right? And I'm teaching it. And you let the Spirit speak to you. Now, I just want to be honest with you. It is so difficult for all of us. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been tithing or giving, whatever. It still is so hard because you can get stalled out because we're so tempted to be idolatrous. Paul spoke to the people in Corinth, and he said, don't be idolatrous. Look at the Israelites, you know, and Moses was up on the mountain. What did they do? They put a golden calf together, and then they had a big orgy, and then on top of that, they grumbled. That was all idol worship. They weren't looking at God. They weren't trusting in Him. So what does he go on to say in verse 12? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So if you're out there thinking, man, I don't need this message. I got this thing done. Oh, you be careful now. I'm saying this to myself too. You know, you can get to a certain level of giving and say, that's it, man. I've given God what He needs. (laughs) You better take heed lest you fall. Because God has some fresh things He wants to do in your life. Don't put a cap on them. And go on, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, or with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Now, so many of us, of us have memorized that verse. We've held on to that verse in the midst of temptation. But what we don't realize, the context of that promise is all about idolatry. It's all about the temptation to put other things before God because Paul knows and God knows that we all struggle with it. I struggle with it. It's something we need to continue to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with His supernatural power to constantly put God first instead of all the things that are laid in our pathway that the world would like us uh, to buy into. Uh, so we need to stay on the pathway. Uh, look at Matthew 6:19 again. Let's take a close look here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, the Greek word for lay up is that idea. Really, I mean, lay up and treasure are so close in the Greek language. It's kind of like he's saying in a literal sense, do not treasure for yourself treasures. Do not treasure for yourselves treasure. It also has the idea in the original language of stacking things, like you're you know, storing up uh, your wealth. Uh, so where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal. So there were three ways that they uh, packaged their wealth, I guess you could say, back in that day. They didn't have bank accounts or anything like that. But they did it in their clothes. That's how uh, they uh, stored their wealth. They stored their wealth in grain. And they stored their wealth and possessions. So first of all, he talks about moth. Now, back in that day, if you were a wealthy person, uh, you would wear uh, these fine garments, preferably wool. 
that was the preferred fabric. The problem with wool, of course, is that moths love wool. And even the wealthy people couldn't protect uh, their clothing. I mean, no matter how nice a clothing you bought, it was going to deteriorate and it was going to be destroyed. And rust, that word means an-eating, an Eating. That's the idea of grain, of disease eating away at the grain. Insects eating away at the grain. You're putting your confidence in grain, it's being eaten away. And where thieves break in and steal, the word break in means to dig through. And so people would bury their possessions, not in a security deposit box or put it in a security deposit box, but they would bury them underground to keep them away from thieves. Or they would dig into the walls of their home and they would put them there. But thieves would still come and steal. Friends, anything that you try to save up, anything that you try to protect is not fully secure. It never is fully secure. We think it's secure, but it's not. I remember when my dad was in the nursing home with Alzheimer's. I was in Alzheimer's unit, so I would go in there and I'd get to know the other Alzheimer patients. And there was a guy named Ted there. I had many conversations uh, with him. They were all kind of similar. But all I had to say... A very pleasant guy. And what I found out in talking uh, with him uh, and with his family is that he used to be the owner of a very significant uh, company. But here he was. And what did he have? He had nothing. He had the love of his family. Right? And when that couple that just came into $10 million, when they die, they might have really nice caskets. They're not taking anything with them. Right? So why do we work so hard? Why do we pour all this energy and time and get our priorities all messed up and we ignore God just to get more stuff, to have more experiences because we're sinful, because we're selfish? (laughs) The only thing that can cure that is the power of Jesus Christ in our lives, asking Him to transform us to purify us. And it's a, it's a long journey. Disciple making is a long journey that we take. And as we continue to give ourselves over to Jesus Christ, He does purify us. Uh, so, hey, don't store your stuff down here on earth because it's all going to end up in the trash. But lay up, right? Stack, store for yourselves, treasure your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. We all, uh, many people have investment plans. Well, I tell you what, friends, you don't many times hear on TV the heavenly investment plan sold or advertised, but it is the sure thing. Okay? All right, now it's wise to plan for the future, but when we're talking about really investing your resources, your money, God says, invest it in heaven. Randy Alcorn, the treasure principal, Uh, He says, you can't take it with you, so send it ahead. God is a supernatural delivery system. So when you are giving resources to Him and time and energy and you're making Him the center of your life, you're building up treasures in heaven. Now, I have no idea what that looks like, but I do know that from this verse, there's got to be a place in heaven that says Dan Harrison's treasures. (laughs) I have no idea what's going to be done with those. But hey, if God says... Send your treasures to heaven. Do you think I'm going to get there and there's not anything going to be there? No, I think there's something going to be there. I don't know what it means, but it's going to be good. Because always God 
gives us good, much more than we deserve. We deserve nothing, so it's always a step up. But he blows us away. So, man, if I want to make the most of my money, I keep giving it to God. I mean, forget all the nice things that I would like to have. I just keep giving it to God because I tell you, sooner than, sooner than I know it, I will be dead. Dan Harrison will be a memory in a few people's minds. <laughs> okay? But I tell you what, the rest of my eternity, I'm going to be spending in heaven. And I think I'm going to reflect upon how I invested my time and my money in the kingdom of God while I was on earth. You've got to invest in eternity. You've got to think as you're, about the fact that you're going to live uh, forever. And, of course, that's the point behind the verse. Now, Psalm 24:1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. This is so important uh, to understand. This is, this is really the key area where we get messed up. All right? Let me illustrate this. Here, uh, who has a $10 bill? Do we have a $10 bill? Myron, where's your $10 bill? Did I take it? Oh, oh you put me off. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> you got a $10 bill, but give me two fives. That's cool. All right, very good. Thank you, my friend. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, take nine and give you one. No, wait. I'm going <laughs> to. You gave me ten. I, I thank you. Man, I got money all over the place. <laughs> I'm rich. All right. So you gave me $10 somewhere in here, all right? And I'm going to give you $9 back, all right? Now, how do you feel about that, Pastor Joe? You think I'm trying to, to work something over on you here, right? I mean, hey, I, I, you gave me 10 I give you 9 That makes no sense whatsoever, right? <laughs> Let's do it a different way. Let's say that I give you 10 all right, and I just ask for one back. Give me one back. All right. Now, that feels pretty good, right? You're $9 richer than when you came in here, where before I was taking money from you. Now, here's the bottom line, guys. The bottom line is that when we think we own everything, and God asks for, let's say, 10%, and we say, what? 10%? Do you know what I could do with 10%? Of my resources, do you realize how I could upgrade my car? Do you realize how I could take care of it? I, mean, I don't have any money to live anyway right now. And you're asking for 10%. Give me a break, God. Come on. But when we realize that everything comes from God, and he's asking, let's say, for 10% back, it's like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> he gives me 10 bucks. And I just have to give him a buck back? Here's the point, friends. The point is, is that if you do not fully understand that everything comes from God, you think that every time you give to God, He's taken from you. And that is not the case at all. God wants you to give back to Him, not because He needs your money, but because He needs your heart. And He knows the way He's going to get your heart if you invest your resources in Him. Well, we continue on in this uh, chapter in Matthew, 
Uh, let's go back uh, to Matthew. Let me go back a couple slides there. Uh, Matthew 6.21. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. There we go. Uh, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, still this is in the context of giving our treasure over to God. So the idea is, okay, if you have an eye, and, and the word clear uh, is the word that's very close to generosity. I think it's a play on words here uh, by, of course, Jesus. Uh, so the idea is if your eye is clear, if you're generous, if you're putting God first in your life, and you love God more than the things of this world, then God is going to be able to fill you with light. God is going to be able to fill you with insight. God is going to bring good things into your life, and you're going to see God, you're going to see life the way that God wants you uh, to see it. Uh, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So therefore, if we are clouded by the world, if we're giving all of our resources over to the world to satisfy all our desires, and we're just giving leftovers to God, you're not going to experience the spiritual life that God intended for you. The Holy Spirit is going to be squelched in your life, and you're not going uh, to, again, feel and experience God's love to the degree that He desires. So we go on to the last verse. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I would just ask you guys to go home and reflect on this passage. And I'm going to do the same. And I'm just going to look at this, and I'm going to just kind of evaluate where I'm at in my giving to God and say, Lord, you know, it's so easy just to kind of, especially if you've been a Christian a long time, get stuck in a pattern. You know, am I really, really putting you first in my giving? Or have I plateaued? Or, you know, am I not doing what you've asked me to do? And then to look at your heart and say, what, how important is, you know, Jesus Christ to me? We look at this next verse, which is our memory verse for April. It says, therefore, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, here is a, a very powerful principle. Friends, if you, don't, if you don't have the love for God that you would desire, if you don't have the passion for His ministry that you would desire, the principle is, if you put your treasure someplace, your heart will follow. So if you say, okay, I'm going to obey God in this area, and I'm going to put my treasure in His ministry, your heart is going to follow, God says, because that's where your resources are. It's unusual, but it really does work. It's a biblical principle here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I encourage you to, to memorize that verse and meditate upon it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the time you've given us to talk about this very important passage. And yes, it is a sensitive area, no doubt. But that's why you talk about it so much. Because you want to get to the heart of things. You want our heart. You don't want our money. But you know that the way to get our heart is for us to give to you generously, liberally, 
cheerfully, sacrificially. And Lord, I pray that we would all grow on this journey together. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, we could have our ushers come forward at this time to uh, gather our love gifts uh, to God as we've talked about uh, today. Hey, listen, Easter is only two weeks away, and it's starting to warm up, huh? Beautiful day out there. Let's talk about how we can prepare uh, for Easter. We've got a lot of different tools uh, 